Hello guys, welcome back to another episode of the Mind Yourself podcast. Um, still here, stuck in quarantine over Skype, obviously we're still all in our own places. And um, But this week, it's again, it's myself and Christy back. We're going to be um, having a chat today. Christy, how are you finding being stuck at home? Are you sick of it yet? No, I'm okay. Keep okay. busy, so it's fine. Keep busy. That's uh, What's funny is I think people have a greater appreciation for work and like being busy than before because it kind of takes their mind off being stuck at home. But uh, yeah, so this week, guys, um, myself and Christy are going to have a discussion about an area that I think sometimes, you know, we recognize it's important, but I think sometimes people don't fully understand, you know, how it works, where it fits in and the value of it as well. So this week we're going to be covering um, an area all about empathy. It's a luxury to pursue what makes you happy. It's a moral obligation to pursue what you find meaningful. And that doesn't mean it's easy. It might require sacrifice. When perfectionism is driving, shame is always riding shotgun. Spread the word on mental health so when other people are in this position in the future, they know where to go and they know what to do because there's a blueprint. I think everybody is stuck in the same cycle of looking at how we need to throw money, more money and mental illness and the problem will go away but it's the incorrect way to look at it. So you have an entire generation growing up with lower self-esteem than previous generations, right? Through no fault of their own. Through no fault of their own. Understanding how our mind works, how our emotions work, can help us understand how to get more satisfaction out of life. So, Christy, to start off, basically, I kind of, obviously I have my own idea of what my definition of empathy is and like, putting yourself in other people's shoes which I think is what people straight away think about but maybe do you want to kind of give more of a kind of a psychological understanding of where it fits in when we talk about mental health and kind of what we value it as yeah so you're exactly right so empathy is uh, putting yourself in someone else's shoes it's the ability to understand how other people feel now we'll probably talk about this in a while but there are there are concepts that are very very similar that we need to differentiate between such as empathy sympathy pity uh, altruism these are all different meanings um which we'll talk about later but basically from the scientific perspective or from the neurological perspective empathy is built on this idea that we have uh, mirror neurons so in our brain when we see somebody do something, the same brain areas um, light up in our own brain, and these are known as mirror neurons. Mm-hmm. And this is the reason why we have this kind of emotional contagion. Um, this is the reason why when other people yawn, we yawn. It's also why when other people smile, we might smile in response, or when somebody gets maybe hit in a painful area, we might flinch ourselves. So these are these mirror neurons uh-huh. activating in our brain. So like that's um, like when you're when you look at when you look at a video of like um you know maybe it's this is a very guy centric kind of opinion but you know when you see a guy like land on his balls if he hits something everyone yes, always exactly. the guy goes ooh when you're yeah, watching exactly and is that yeah, so that's ingrained in us that what as you call it emotional contagion that's like something that we're kind of born with that kind of relating to someone yeah. else's feelings. Yeah, exactly. So um, this is something that there is an area called the supramarginal gyrus, which is a part of the brain where empathy is like ingrained into. Um, so it is a natural characteristic, but it's important to emphasize it's not 
and this is where the conceptual stuff becomes a bit complicated but it's not an emotion um now people will argue against me but i think the easiest way to understand it is it's not feeling uh negative for somebody else or feeling sorry for somebody else it's understanding how they feel so it's taking their um it's of course reading their facial expressions and their body language but it's also taking their situation into account so if mm. i was in that person's situation this is how i would feel now part of it is the mirror neurons but on top of that um empathy is contextual so it's yeah. not just facial expressions um so for example if somebody failed a test they're going to feel negative about it but if somebody has failed a test that they failed last year as well then knowing that context obviously changes how we understand how that person feels if that makes sense so sorry say that again so so say for example you fail a test yeah so yeah. just so i can understand it so you fail a test i feel sorry for you yeah yeah but you're saying if you fail a test that you also failed last year my feeling yeah. towards you changes not your feeling towards you but your understanding of that situation of how that person is feeling has changed uh, okay gotcha so con so context is really really important and um this is the big issue of course that people like ai uh, for example the biggest issue that people have is you can program um a robot to have perfect uh thinking perfect information processing mm. that humans have but the emotional side is complicated now they have done well with this and there is exciting advancements where they have the ability to perfectly read facial expressions and body language so that you can predict the emotion of the other person. Mm. But the problem is, um, like I know there's a company at the moment, uh, Affectavia, um, okay. the leading computer scientist behind it is an Egyptian woman called uh, Kaliubi. Um, and th they have an app that can 100% read facial expression. Um, it's perfect and this is like people got very excited about the application of this because this may, meant that for example children with autism who obviously lack empathy um, they would have the ability to understand how somebody else is feeling in a situation if they were okay. the glasses for example or if they had the app but the problem is this context idea that it's not just facial expressions and body language it's also you have to take the context into account so it's mm. the situation, it's that person's history, it's that person's thinking. This all has an influence and that makes the algorithm very, very complicated. Yeah, okay. And I mean, like, so what, like, what, so you were saying, like, you know, it's effective at kind of, so because obviously, like, emotions and people's feelings in a situation don't follow a linear, predictive situation. Obviously, it, you can say in certain circumstances, if someone's face is a certain way, they feel sad. If someone is, as we talk about with kids, body language and how people understand how the feeling kind of Im impacts how they actually physically kind of look kind of based on kind of their emotion or feeling. But as you said, the nuances in scenario and situation impact that that's very hard for an AI to understand unless they have a wider context of the nuances that impact someone's feelings. Yes, exactly. And then, as I mentioned, uh, empathy is something that we have imprinted into our brain that basically mm. Um, there's an inner imitation of other people within our brain. But the okay. problem is that doesn't, this only accounts for basic emotions, like maybe the six universal emotions, like happy, sad, disgust. But when you get into more complicated emotions, like guilt, shame, envy, jealousy, mm. um, it's just the context is too important. It's not facial expression that's going to tell you that. It's the situation. Yeah. And that's yeah. difficult to uh, it, measure. Yeah, yeah. And it's not a debate, like you were saying, like obviously, 
like empathy's not an emotion but is that something that people are actually debating in psychological kind of spheres around yeah, whether it's an emotion um, or not no yeah some people do i see this is where i'll go into the different differences so the first important differentiation i think is between empathy and sympathy so empathy is understanding how somebody feels but sympathy is feeling sorry for somebody um and they're two very different things so i would say that the empathy is a skill that people can develop over time while sympathy comes from the emotional parts of the brain and it's just feeling sorry for somebody um, I no, think that's the main. Sad for someone sad, rather than going, I understand how they're feeling, and can then, you know, rationally think maybe how I can help them feel better. Yes, exactly. Um, and we teach the children in the workshop that it's uh, empathy is far more important than sympathy uh, for helping somebody who's in need because, um, like, if somebody is crying on the playground, for example, it's no help if you go over bawling, crying as well. So if you're showing sympathy, that's just an emotion. But empathy is basically understanding how they feel. So it's looking at the situation more objectively and that's more helpful. And that's mm -hmm. really, really important. Mm -hmm. um, and, then, and then the next uh, important differentiation then is between empathy and altruism. Okay. So altruism is basically um, I was about to actually ask I was about to ask you this because you mentioned altruism at the start and I don't think unless I looked it up I actually know what that word means I've heard it so much like yeah, so yeah, yeah. it's it's one of those words I agree so um so being altruistic is basically trying to do the right thing okay um if you looked it up in the dictionary but the difference between empathy and altruism is altruism doesn't take emotions into account at all it's just trying to do the right thing um, and an example of that would be, for example, if somebody lost a watch that had sentimental value, let's say it's been in their family for years. Now, somebody who is empathetic would understand how, how that person feels because of the sentimentality of it. But somebody who is altruistic would just get that person a new watch, you know, so you do the right thing on paper, but you're not taking the emotion into account. So you're not accounting for the sentimentality. You're just getting them a new watch. Does okay. that make sense? Okay. Um, so when and like so you mentioned at the start of the first one was empathy versus sympathy and so is sympathy only ever is so basically you feel sad when someone feels sad kind of thing is sympathy only ever a negative connotation like it's always like you feel sad because someone else has never like you feel happy because someone else is happy or is that also like it's not really is it is so well so that that could be empathy that it would be more empathy okay. so feeling happy because somebody's in a happy situation um would be understanding that they're happy and then that would make you happy which relates to that emotional contagion but sympathy is only sadness yeah okay um, okay now yeah it's and again i don't want i wouldn't like to say that sympathy is automatically negative because as we've talked about emotions are just right. automatic responses um like we can't stop sympathy happening it's an automatic response um, but it's just not very helpful for um, in relation to social skills and helping other people out is what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, yeah, go on. No, go on. Um, and then the last one I was going to go into then, uh, the last uh, differentiation is empathy and compassion. And this is the most important one. Now, okay. this is the one uh, that is, I wouldn't say it's slightly controversial, but I do think this is the best way to understand it. Um, because everybody thinks empathy is really important, that empathy is everything, understanding how other people feel, that that's the secret to like good mental health and to being a good person. But empathy doesn't involve action. It's only understanding how somebody feels. So it's only thinking about how somebody feels. So, for example, a torturer. A torturer can understand how somebody feels. They can be empathetic, but they can still choose to inflict pain. So 
think so be, being empathetic is just thinking or understanding how somebody feels but it's not actually helping people and so the differentiation here the actual desire the actual action of helping people that's compassion and that's a separate topic is again so it's not okay. only empathy um, that's important. Now, they do normally come together. Normally, when you have empathy, you understand how somebody feels, and then you use compassion to help them out. Mm. Um, but it's not empathy that we should be, because there's been a massive emphasis on empathy uh, throughout the years. It's not always empathy that you should be teaching. It's uh, compassion. Compassion. Yeah, see, I would have said there, it's kind of like comes down to that argument and we've had it on previous, not well, discussion, sorry, not argument. We've had on previous kind of podcasts around, you know, jealousy and envy. Yeah, I would have always said compassion to me was just the same as empathy. What's the difference? I didn't realize there was a difference. But compassion is actually acting on the empathy you feel. Yeah, and I, I think it helps to differentiate these, to have more separate concepts because it helps other people understand it better then. Mm. That's why, like, it's not definite. Like, when you make up a word, you know, you're not going to get everybody agreeing, okay, that is that yeah. word, if that makes sense. So, yeah. but I think it's more helpful. Um, And it's really interesting. It was very controversial at the time. There's a guy called Paul Bloom from Yale. He actually brought out a book uh, arguing that we shouldn't be teaching children and we shouldn't be teaching people empathy empathy is actually a bad thing why um he basically explained that when you try to be empathetic you only look at individuals rather than large groups of people so and you can always make an argument if you're trying to be empathetic um and you're trying to help somebody you're understanding their perspective so for example um like the war on afghanistan you can empathize with certain people who were involved in um, the 9-11, for example, uh, attacks, people who lost um, family and friends. Mm. And if you focus on that, that leads to the action of then invading Afghanistan, which obviously leads to a war, which is going to kill a lot more people. So rather than looking at the wider uh, repercussions, you're more focused on the individual and you're trying to empathize with that. And that can have dangerous long-term effects um another example would be focusing on individuals rather than bigger world problems like global warming for example mm, mm. um yeah because i was like when i look at it like obviously sympathy sympathy is important because it's you know if 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 people feel sympathetic to a situation one in the first instance it's easy to convince those people to maybe act to improve a certain situation in a sense because they're all in agreement that something is a sad negative situation yeah yeah then i would say altruism is the idea of doing the right thing for the sake of doing the right thing and in when i think about this the very first thing that came to my head when you described it was politics and like leading a country oftentimes the danger of running politics is that you may be slightly too empathetic and you start to think, as you mentioned there, what Paul Bloom was saying, the danger of thinking about the individual. But when you're being running a country or running anything large, you have to think, what's the best thing for everyone involved? And normally that's an altruistic kind of point of view because you have to say, I have to do the right thing. Some people will will come out of this more favorably than others, but over the whole, it's better for everyone to do this right thing. Would, would that make sense? Yeah, 100%. I'm going back, though, just with your sympathy point. Yeah, sympathy, um, yeah. So sympathy isn't always something that we'll act on either. It's an emotion. So, for example, if we see somebody homeless on the street, we're going to feel sympathy. It's an automatic response when we see somebody homeless. But that doesn't mean we're going to help them. And that's where the compassion, which is um, the last part, comes in. 
um, is wanting to help somebody or actually turning that into action. Um, and there's a really interesting study, actually, because the act of compassion is also very contextual. So it's dependent on the situation. Um, there's a famous study done by Latane and Darley. Um, there was a murder in New York City in 1964, uh, Kitty Genovese. And basically it was in public, like it was in one of the most public places in New York City. She was murdered um, there and nobody helped her. And they were really, really fascinated. Why didn't anybody help her? So the researchers basically looked at um, how people how people help other people and they they altered the environment around them. And this is known, I don't know, are you familiar with the bystander effect? I, I mean, as in, I'm not familiar with the bystander effect. I know, I like, I have various examples of you know, situations where, you know, there is that bystander effect. You always think to yourself, well, if I saw someone you know, attack someone in the street, I definitely would go and help them out. But you always hear stories of people not because they almost freeze yeah. on the spot. So basically they found that the more public it is, the more people there are, the less likely somebody is to be compassionate or to um, show, act on their empathy. That basically the assumption is that somebody else will do it. It's generally the expl explanation to it. Um, but the less people... Uh, there are the more likely that somebody is going to show compassion and help a person in need basically Which that's what the bystander effect is interesting i would have thought like the more people there you know the more you're like well i want to do the right thing because you know there's other people that's a that's an interesting concept I, w I wouldn't um i knew it was the whole of freezing on the spot going like but then i get your kind of idea it's the same as like you know if you're in a classroom or in a group of loads and loads of people and someone asks for a volunteer normally the first thing comes into your head ask someone else to do it you know but yeah, if it's a small yeah. group of people you know maybe you're more likely to go well there isn't that many people in the group so maybe i'll volunteer to do it i know it's a slightly different concept but it's probably the same sort of mindset yeah uh bullying is another example if okay. a group of people are bullying one person somebody might be empathetic they might understand that this that this is making the uh the person being bullied worse or make make them feel negative emotions but they still won't step up and stop the bullying, for example. Mm. Um, that explains why bullying off is still prevalent now in schools. And is that bystander effect just a psychological phenomenon that everyone experiences, or is there ways around that to kind yeah, of like... There's, well, there's limitations, of course. Like, like um, you see, the problem is people like to think that, you know, everybody will tell themselves, oh, I'm not... Um, I'm not that type of person. I would always help them. You know, this is what people think that individual traits determine how people behave. But uh, the bystander effect is just an example about how unconscious processes uh, have a massive influence on her, on us. Mm -hmm. So like um, stuff like that it is outside of our control, like the amount of people around us or the amount of people um, also in that situation influences us unconsciously. We can't do anything about it. Yeah. So like the way we actually act and the way we think in a certain situation is less about just what we're aware of. And there's a lot more kind of unconscious bias based on the kind of scenario that impact how we kind of think. Is that what you're kind of saying? Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think that's a good segue into then this importance that I mentioned. Empathy is something that is ingrained in our brains through these mirror neurons. But um, it's something we need to practice as well. It's a skill that we constantly need to practice. And the way we practice it is where we focus our attention to. That's really, really important. So, for example, um, 
you improve your empathy when you pay more attention to those around you. Um, when you actually take an interest in their lives and try to get an understanding about how they might be feeling in that situation. It's something we need to practice. So like, for example, if you're in a waiting room, um, it's getting off your phone and actually looking around and reading other people's body uh, body language or facial expression and like imagining their situation. That's really, mm. really important. It's something that you need to practice. Um, because I disagree with Paul Bloom. I do think empathy is important. Um, I think compassion is more important, but empathy still is important. Um, I think it's important for differentiating between us versus them. When you understand how somebody else feels, you um, you don't basically see anybody as the enemy. You kind of just realize that everybody is a human being with thoughts and feelings, and that's really important. And I mean, what's interesting is, and it's an interesting, the way you kind of explain that about the whole us versus them, and I feel like on a geopolitical level it's actually the lack of empathy or the diminishing of empathy is what's probably impacting a lot of people in our current situation in a pandemic is that you know you hear things like Donald Trump comes out and says we want to bring all our industries back to our country because you know we don't care about those if we come up with medication it's us and it's all about us and we want to bring this to America you've heard rumors of like you know the Brexit situation it's like Britain against the world and we want don't want help from other people it's like people are probably and I feel like there's this kind of undercurrent at the minute of us versus them and we want to nationalism which technically is a little bit of lack of empathy in a sense you're not thinking about the global situation of how everyone works together it's we want to look out for ourselves and ignore what's going on elsewhere and that seems to be something that's almost like it's going the other direction a little bit it was that empathy came about with you know, you know, global economies and building kind of like EU and all about how do we help better help each other. But now it's like people are going in the opposite direction with actually, I don't want to help anyone else. I want to think about me, me, me first. And I don't really care everyone else is impacted, which um, probably is impacting how people, you know, think, you know, globally when that's being driven down from a more um, senior level. Um, on an individual level as well, like it's it's a crucial ingredient to emotional intelligence. It is one of the key factors of emotional intelligence. Um, like basically, if you have empathy, if you understand how other people feel, um, you generally have better social skills and you're more liked by other people. And you're also better able to tolerate stress, which has been proven mm. by um, research. So on an individual level and on the global level, empathy is important, but compassion is more important. Yeah. Uh, somebody will have emotional intelligence if they're if they're empathetic but if they don't act on it and show compassion then they won't be as emotional intelligence and okay. that's really important. and that's uh, the hard bit because it's easy to say i i feel sorry for someone or i you know that kind of way but to actually act on that is this bigger step i almost think it's easy to get yourself more aware of appreciating other people's success and concerned about other people's struggles but to then actually take those feelings actually step out and say well i'm going to try and help or congratulate or you know act upon the way i'm feeling i think is almost the bit that people really struggle with it's like you can get them to that point of empathy getting to the compassion i think is the difficult part yeah um and now we see th this is always difficult so our step six is empathy in the workshop and our step seven is social skills but they're very intertwined um, because empathy, as, as mentioned, is just understanding how somebody feels. It's reading emotions, so looking at facial expressions and body language. Um, but social skills, then when it comes into it, it's actually putting that empathy to use, which is compassion. 
So we'll obviously talk more about that um, in our, our final podcast. But um, for now, empathy. Um, I'm trying to think. Like it's it's a short section because um, we always say this bar in the bar the workshops we do in special schools. We don't really need to go into detail about facial expressions. Mm. Like um, like you, I know you have like uh, specialists in the FBI and the CIA able to read facial expressions really well, but like more. <laughs> yeah, no, you're not asking a kid to be able to like you know break down the intricacies of someone's face expression and whether it's a genuine smile or kind of a fake smile that kind of thing but I mean that's I think that's probably something that you know is probably when I think about it's the bit that's you know not as hard to educate because even if you look at a baby you know as soon as obviously their eyesight develops after the first few weeks one of the very first things that you notice and I think it's something that um is before they can talk or before they can even probably make much noise themselves it's reacting to the smile of their parent or to someone else so you can see with babies when they slowly start to develop you know after a few months you'll smile at a baby and that's when you realize their eyesight it's often actually and this is actually something i've heard from just you know friends and stuff who uh, have newborns and stuff like this often what they were saying was a way they often test a baby's eyesight is that or kind of start to realize maybe they have a problem with their eyesight is after a certain few months when it's fully developed is do they react to the face expressions of the parents? And like, because oftentimes the baby will start to smile because the parent smiles or vice versa. And they can see, and I think that's obviously something that, you know, you're born with, is that recognizing. So that's really, really important. Um, so smiling at a, at a baby, at a newborn is really important because that's helping develop those mirror neurons. Mm-hmm. So that's that emotional contagion that when you smile at a baby and the baby smiles back, that's developing those mirror neurons, which is really, really important. Mm-hmm. Um, and they found this, there's the same thing in monkey studies. So they found that monkeys react the same way. Newborn monkeys will smile um, at, and that's developing. It's a really, really important part of the development of that attachment with a caregiver, um, which is really, really important for mental health. You could do a whole separate uh, podcast exactly. on that. Um, okay. And then, of course, now I'm not going to go massively into this because, again, you could probably do a separate post on this. But of course, then, because there's so many people who don't understand, uh, they 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 think autism is basically somebody who kind of acts weird and doesn't make eye contact. Yeah. Um, and you hear so many different definitions, but essentially, like the main diagnostic criteria for autism is when a child lacks empathy. So they don't, they're not able to read how somebody else is feeling. Now, our next podcast is with Kira Kyo, who's actually an autism specialist. So um, she'll go into far more uh, detail about that and do it far more justice. But I Mm. just want to highlight um, autism, the main diagnostic criteria, even though there's lots of different types, the main one is a lack of empathy. It's an inability to understand how other people feel. Yeah, because that's what I was going to ask. I was saying we've gone a lot into how, you know, babies are born with that ability to kind of react and that mirror neurons and how, yes, it's slightly born with, but then you can develop it over time. But like, yeah, what happens when there's some sort of a neurological impact that means you slightly are lacking in that natural empathetic kind of neural process? What happens or what, you know, what causes that? Can it also, (laughs) is it as much as, You've mentioned that in autism, you're born with slightly less ability to feel empathetic. Can it also go the other way where due to your life experiences, you become less empathetic? 
So this is that that's such a that's such a important but complicated question. Um, so like there's been so much money put into autism research, but there are still major issues with it because the biggest problem being the diagnosis itself. It's so wide ranging. Like people know of the autism spectrum, um, but like so it's on a basically continuum. And another term which would probably be useful for people to know is Asperger's. So Asperger's is basically um a lower form of autism it's where people probably still lack empathy but the um symptoms are not as strong so people can obviously be anywhere in the spectrum and as a result it's very very difficult to pinpoint exactly what autism is because it can be Mm -hmm. so many different things and there's so many different criteria um like there is plenty of arguments for people arguing that it should be removed that it's not helpful to have the diagnosis um and then it's also important to note that people can have lack of empathy but they don't have um autism so for example psychopaths are known to have uh, a lack of empathy but there it doesn't affect their social functioning so it's it's very very complicated and is that uh, a neural is that a neurological thing that they it doesn't affect their social skills but they don't have empathy or is it just to develop that over time because they've constantly been exposed to probably negative experiences or doing negative things. Don't know. This is the, this is the complication of, um, of, of diagno- uh, diagnosing in general that like they have not found one biological marker. So one area pinpointed in the brain for a certain mental illness. So mm. there's plenty of arguments that uh, like diagnoses are unhelpful. They, they don't actually help um anything because like there's been no advancement it's been massively researched like this isn't only autism this is um schizophrenia it's depression it's anxiety it's um lots of different stuff that they haven't pinpointed exactly like where in the brain this happens and as a result there's arguments against it now (laughs) this is a whole nother topic but like obviously arguments for um, diagnosis is is that it's reassuring to people like yeah. if they are told that you have X, it can be really, really helpful. Um, and then, but the other argument then against it is you match the diagnosis then with the medication and the medication, you don't really know what it's doing and it can have massive side effects and massive issues. And that's why um, autism is such a delicate topic, um, which I'm not an expert in. So I no. don't feel I do justice by going into it. That's fair. I mean, because that's what I was curious about. It's like, look, yeah, exactly. I'm not going to, put you on the spot and say look you're going to have an exact answer but you know for a parent of a kid who is somewhere on the autism spectrum what can they do to obviously help because as we've said this ties a little bit into social skills and we will go more in depth into social skills in a later podcast as it's part of the kind of workshop stages that we do in the classroom but you know what can you do to improve someone's empathy that may be lacking it is there anything you can do maybe you don't know so there there is training um so again Kiri Kyo is going to talk about applied behavior analysis now that's probably the most successful uh, and it's very popular in Ireland um more so probably than anywhere else um the, the research is good on it um there's arguments that it's very basic because behavioral analysis is not focusing on thought processes that much. It's more focused on just behavior. So it's re- it's kind of uh, reward and punishment. Um, 
again, I don't know enough about this now to go into it, but um, going back to the empathy section as opposed to the social skills, um, empathy is definitely something that can be improved in every child. Um, you can teach children about facial expressions, about how to better read them. You can mm. teach children about how to read body language, for example. Um, now, it won't be a natural response, I'm assuming, for children with autism, but it's something that they can cognitively learn. Um, they've recently made a differentiation, which again, going back to con telling the difference between concepts, that's important. Um, there is something known as alexithymia and there's something known as um, empathy. So alexithymia is empathy, I think, that you're born with. Well, uh, so there's biological and cognitive empathy, if that makes sense. Oh. So biological what? empathy is, is, is being able to read how somebody else is feeling naturally. So like it's biological, you're born with it. Like okay, what you so were that, that's the little bit that you're born with. Yeah, and then alexithymia, I might be mixing this up, but alexithymia then is cognitive empathy. That's so, trained. Yes, yeah, so it's trained empathy. So everybody has a degree of both, but what's understood, and this is why the differentiation was important, people with biological empathy, uh, lack, uh, people with autism are likely to lack biological empathy, but that does doesn't mean you can't improve the cognitive, cognitive. that's about to say I was like yeah there's obviously I'm sure that little bit that you're born with the reacting to smiles and things like that Um, I don't know why I have this in my head I feel like that might be something that sometimes people notice around you know people's a, a child maybe early diagnosis something is the way they react to the physical features of the parent their physical facial expressions that that could be completely left field and have no connotations to any research. I don't know why I think it in my head that I've heard people say that depending on how your baby reacts to your facial expressions as they as they're developing can signal whether or not they have some sort of a, you know, cognitive, you know, um, you know, illness or something like that. I don't know. Um, maybe mm -hmm. I'm misreading that. But um, so, yeah, we've kind of talked about, you know, the importance of empathy. It's a small topic. It's very specific. But I think the specificity of it is important because it's so easily um, muddled up with other areas. Like we said about sympathy, sympathy is just feeling sad for someone else, but it's not empathy and people get that mixed up. Altruism, I think, is an important skill for specific roles, but doesn't necessarily mean you're thinking about the feelings of others, you're just doing the right thing. Compassion, which is an area I didn't even realize, is just acting on the things you feel. But what would be the, say, tangible we mentioned about you know improving empathy is about you know actively trying to think about other how other people's feelings are we often say to kids in the classroom put yourself in someone else's shoes it's a nice thing that kids grow up that little phrase but what would you say is an easy way or a little you know tips or tricks that people could help improve their kids empathy is there um, ways so with empathy, it would basically be um, it would again just getting them to read facial expressions. That's why emojis are fantastic. Um, it's getting them to read uh, different facial expressions, how to tell the difference between certain emotions through facial expressions, and um, body language is also important. Um, it's not always what somebody says as well. It can be how they say it. Um, there's a great TED talk on that about how there's lots and lots of different. Uh, traits of how somebody talks it's not just their tone there's um I can't think of it off the top of my head but there's about five of them um so being able to read um voices is obviously important um and then also emphasizing the importance of reading the situation as well as 
as well as the facial expressions and the um, body language. That's also important. Mm. Um, and then in relation to compassion, um, I think we have a blog post on this after the uh, death of Caroline yeah, Flack. That of course. It's, re- it's really, really important that we emphasize compassion is not something you just tell somebody to do because you should. You tell somebody to be compassionate because it makes you feel good. That's really, really important. Um, there's the Friends episode where uh, there's arguments over uh, you can't do anything good if it's not for yourself. There's nothing oh, wrong with that, that. that. That's a great episode, actually, and I think is an interesting... I think it's an interesting... I don't know where I listened to this earlier, is that I think the fact... I think sometimes people feel bad that, you know, being compassionate and showing empathy because it makes you feel better is people almost feel guilty that it makes them feel better and they think oh i shouldn't be doing it because it makes me feel better but like what a lot what we talk about is there's nothing wrong with doing it because it makes you feel better if if it makes you feel better and it's also helping make someone else feel better then what's the problem but sometimes people almost feel guilty because it, we we've we've said it before there's nothing wrong with saying you're doing it because it helps you feel better because the result is obviously someone else feels better yeah it's it's a good motivation um and if you're obviously improving the situation there's nothing wrong with it um but again yeah the compassion stuff is kind of clo- more closely tied to social skills so we'll talk um, about it more then from a psychological like a psychology perspective do you think that people are getting more compassionate and empathetic or less as time's gone on less because um as i mentioned it's where you put your attention towards um with technology now people's attention is more towards the self me 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 as opposed to other people and as a result if you can't pay attention to other people you're less likely to be empathetic yeah so we're very much kind of because social media is very much a surface level kind of presentation of each other we're very surface level in how we look at other people rather than wanting to understand more deeply how people feel and how their kind of their lives are going and like we, we kind of briefly touched on it at the start, but do you think AI or technology can ever get to a point? Because, I, I mean, there's lots of people, it's an interesting debate in technology. I like technology, and, like, that AI discussion is always a very hot topic. I mean, interesting, high-level people like Elon Musk has always said that he thinks AI is a bad thing and it's dangerous and it's going to cause problems because they can't match that empathy of humans and therefore it could lead to trouble down the line. Other people say it's going to be very helpful. It's going to help us be even more advanced as society. Do you think it's possible? I know it's a technology question. Maybe you can't answer that, but what do you think from a psychology perspective? Is it possible to replicate? Going back, going back to that cognitive empathy and, elec- and alexithymia, the biological empathy, um, it's... The issue is the biological empathy. That's the one that's very, very difficult to um, reproduce. Like the cognitive empathy is not difficult. You can teach a robot or um, you can teach a robot basically how to read other people's emotions or how to read uh, body language, as mentioned. But the problem is it's that biological. It's taking the context into account and having that natural instinct. That's very, very, that's very difficult to recreate because we don't know what it is. Um, Mm. So... I still think it's going to be a good few years in advance. I think if they if they try to replicate it before knowing what it actually is, that's when there could be danger and that's when there could be problems because they're mm. creating something they don't know what it is. Yeah, uh, 
that's dangerous. Um, but I've heard as well, you often hear in podcasts with people talking about artificial intelligence. There's so many people at the moment now. There's so many boards and regulations and stuff to ensure that that doesn't happen. Mm. So I suppose we just hope and depend on. Well, it's nice to know that there's stuff we can do that they haven't yet worked out robots can do, which still means as humans, we're still relevant and important, which is always like a nice kind of, you know, good yeah. thing for people to know. Um, you know, what a, one last thing, and I think it's interesting because obviously we're in the middle of a pandemic. So everyone's lives are a little bit more challenging than they were before. And we're all sharing that challenge. Do, do we have to kind of, is there, does this experience give us more reason to understand the value in empathy or does it just make it harder for us to be empathetic because we everyone's kind of like well i've got me like everyone has something to give out about now you know even people who have good lives they still have something to moan about whether it's being stuck indoors not being able to see family you know maybe having a family member who's sick or unfortunately maybe died everyone young old rich poor everyone has something that's impacting them negatively in their lives that there wasn't happening before so is that going to negatively impact how we look at empathy or is it going to make us more aware of it i i think people will always always have something that's an issue regardless of pandemic or not um but as you mentioned it's just a collective um issue now um i think it's em empathy is important in this situation to realize that you're going to have some people there's going to be lots of ups and downs with the people around you um some days and some people will want to talk about the pandemic non-stop they'll have all the stats ready they'll be looking at the worldometer every day they, they'll enjoy talking about it because this is unprecedented times it'll be remembered forever um and then you need to be empathetic. You need to take not only facial expressions, body language into account, but also context. For example, like you mentioned, if somebody has somebody who's sick, being empathetic in that situation is kind of taking the situation into account and realizing maybe they don't want to talk about coronavirus. Maybe they want to talk about something else. Mm. For that aspect um, at this present moment, empathy is really, really important. Um, it, it's always important regardless. Um, I think it's difficult when it's not being able to be put to practice as much now because you're only around the same people and it's difficult to explain but it's still just not the same even if you're Skyping or if you're on Zoom. Um, it's not the same thing as being with somebody in person. Mm. So um, I think empathy kind of empathy education kind of takes a hit in that regard. Um, yeah. But at the same time, with the people that you're mostly around, empathy is impor as important now as it's ever been. That's really yeah. yeah, no, um, I mean, I think that's kind of covered empathy and a lot of the different areas, some interesting stuff. I think the biological versus cognitive is, for me, is kind of interesting because obviously we're all born with a certain level of empathy. And the concern for, I think, I'm sure for parents and stuff is, you know, if you have a kid who is somewhere on the autism spectrum, th there's that knowledge that they may be lacking in that, you know, biological empathy. But there is this whole side of cognitive empathy that can be taught and learned, which I think is almost kind of a bit more relaxing. And I'm sure a lot of this stuff that we've mentioned around kids and like, you know, understanding facial expressions, body language is just as relevant to adults, because, I mean, we can all be probably a little right. bit more empathetic. Yeah. And um i think the biggest thing is like for me if i was to and this is not me as a non-expert i think empathy is probably one of those skills and i like the way you kind of always talk about it as a skill and we always say that when we're saying it's not an emotion it's a skill because i think when it comes to emotional intelligence and we think about you know 
when we talk about IQ, intellectual intelligence, it's, uh, you know, there's skills around your, your knowledge, how you, from an actual like academic perspective of well you do, and there's a lot of skills that improve your IQ. EQ, you know, is your emotional intelligence. What are the kind of skills that help you be really good at that? I think empathy is a nice one to kind of grade against what your EQ is like, because I think empathy is a nice way. Is it tangible they, way? They, they've found basically that you can, like IQ, you can, you can influence your EQ. You can improve it slightly, but never a lot. Mm. So um, an interesting thought, just as you were summarizing there as well, the argument about this this complication about is empathy and emotion. There's a possibility maybe that the biological side of empathy is an emotion, while the cognitive side uh, is obviously not an emotion. It's a skill, but mm. there's no differentiation between the two. That's the problem. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, no, no, it does. I think yeah, I think that's that's the thing. It's whether or not it can be influenced. And the EQ thing, I suppose, empathy is an area that the cognitive side, at least, that if you're saying you can't improve your emotional intelligence that much definitely cognitive um cognitive empathy and being able to kind of be more aware of how people feel how they're kind of acting how they're talking tone of voice all those little things that you could potentially improve at is a way that you could potentially look at improving your emotional intelligence so i mean i think that kind of sums it up i think for parents and teachers i think the important thing is that you know if you're looking at your own empathy it's just being more aware of the challenges and the successes that other people are having and find a way to be able to now put yourself in their shoes and feel happy for them or feel sad for them or you know understand how they're feeling i think the area that i think nicely kind of mentioned compassion and how people actually act on that empathy is almost just as important and there's lots of tips and tricks that you know people can teachers and parents can use with their kids we've talked about some of those with emojis and listening to tone of voice and we've got a blogs on that as well which i think um we can definitely kind of put in the show notes but i think um empathy is one that everyone can kind of look at and try and get better at it's nice to know that ai hasn't fully worked it out yet which means we're still kind of important and still you know relevant as a human species so um I mean, that's it. I don't know. Is there anything else you kind of want to add to that kind of empathy kind of point? No, I, I think that's everything. Um, we'll include everything in the show notes about um, the TED Talk I mentioned, uh, yeah. the Paul Bloom book, um, the company Affectavia. Um, but other than that, yeah, I think, I think we're good. I think that's good. Um, as always, guys, please um, like, share. If you want to subscribe to our podcast, so you always get the episodes. We're at the minute doing one every week. And oftentimes uh, our expert conversations that Christy does with some of the experts are very tied to the kind of discussions myself and Christy have um, the other weeks, which kind of helps you kind of, one, see how the experts talk about it and then allow us to kind of have the more open discussion of what it actually means for us and for our own mental health. So, um, yeah, as always, appreciate everyone listening. Um, I appreciate, you know, um, it's a difficult time for everyone, but hopefully some of this stuff is relevant to you kind of as you're kind of stuck at home and trying to improve yourselves. And um, yeah, that's all for me. That's all for you, Christy. Yeah. Perfect. And as always, mind yourselves.